You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, lead pastor Eugene Smith will finish out our series called 40 Days of Love. Today, we will be focusing on how love can teach us to control and manage anger. Our scripture text comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 5. Today's message is entitled, Tame Your Temper. We've been talking about love and the really getting down to basics in the Christian life, what it is to live this Christian life. Jesus said the greatest of these is love. And, you know, churches, we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about, you know, God's for you and your destiny, and we talk about purpose, and we talk about finances, and people, I mean, we talk about all kinds of things. But as I was reflecting over my life, I thought, you know, I don't think I ever heard a sermon as a child on how to deal with my anger. And I had an anger problem as a child. I had issues with anger. I had issues with anger not only as a child but as a teenager and even going into my adulthood not really knowing how to deal with my anger. And so we learn about all kinds of things in churches but really where the rubber hits the road where you have to leave this building and go to work tomorrow and deal with that really irritating person. I mean how do you do that? What does the Bible have to say about that in my life? When I was uh, my wife and I were newly married we were newly married. I was still working through some anger issues in my life. How many of you want to hear a story about us fighting? No, you don't. We're not going to tell you anyway. But I will tell you. I will tell you that the issue revolved around a baby bottle. It revolved around a baby bottle. And how does a baby bottle cause a huge, humongous blowout? Well, just like all kinds of insignificant things in your life can turn into great, big firefights and things that you don't mean to say, and it's exactly what happened in my life. And I remember when, after I, I left that experience and went away, you know, we, we didn't separate, but I mean, I just went off by myself. I thought about, wow, there's really something inside of me that I haven't dealt with. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 26 and 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Paul the Apostle said, be angry. Everyone say, be angry. Say that again. Be angry. angry. You're going to be angry. Isn't that right? You're going to be angry. Isn't that right? Everyone here is going to be angry. Be angry and do not sin. Everyone say, do not sin. So somehow you got to be angry but not blow it. Isn't that right? you gotta, you got to be angry because you're going to be angry. As a matter of fact, it's the anger. It's those things in your life that really, that, I mean... Uh, Great marriages are built because there are conflicts. Great businesses are built to solve a problem. Uh, Great basketball teams, uh, they fight tenaciously to win. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun, everyone say, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place, let's say that, nor give place to the devil. Father, in these next few moments, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask today, Lord, that you will help us. 
God, your spirit is here. We've sensed your presence in the worship. And God, as you've ministered to us and you've touched lives, we thank you for the work that's taking place in each of our lives. And God, as we leave this place today, I pray that your grace will be with us so that we can take this message in a practical way and live our lives in a way that honor you, in a way that build relationships, in a way that restore marriages and bring healing to our homes. God, we want your grace today. And we ask, I ask for hearers to hear. I ask for myself, Lord, to have a mouth to speak. Jesus, I ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. You know, just like we saw in that little video clip, you know, a lot of the guys around there, they had a problem with not eating fish. But there was one little fishy, Dory, she never had a problem eating fish. And it's kind of like the human experience. A lot of people have problems with anger, but then some people really don't. But everybody gets angry. Some people, they get angry, they just don't express it. And so what they do, they tend to be like the turtle. We talked about the turtle a couple weeks ago, right? They tend to retract. They tend to pull back. They tend to shove it down. They tend to not talk about it. They, they suppress their anger. But other people, they're kind of like what? Skunks. And boy, when they get angry, they let everybody in the room know. And it kind of smells. I mean, when other people, there are some people, they're just, you know, they, and they boom, they blurt it out, and then they're off and down to the next thing. We tend to either clam up or we tend to blow up. I mean, those are the two extremes that we tend to experience with this emotion that we call anger. Now, psychologists have come up with all kinds of ways for people to deal with the anger, but the reality is that most of them are, most of them are just myths. I mean, they're not biblical. They're based on some guy's human experience or some Freudian thought about, you know, how humans exist and how they're supposed to relate. And, you know, one of the ones that is a very popular teaching or a very uh, popular expression of how people are to deal with anger is that they're supposed to, like, express it. They're supposed to let it out on an inanimate object. They're to go get a pillow or they're to go into a room padded with walls and they run into the wall or they bang the fist into the pillow or they scream and yell into a bucket as loud as they can. They, they, you know, they get this anger out. Just get that anger out. You're really angry so you just got to go and you just got to let it go. And you know the problem with that is? Is that whatever you practice, you do. And so when explosive situations come into your life, that's going to be the way that you react. It's a fact. The more that you do something, it reinforces that behavior. Think about it. It's in every area of life. Any behavior that you do, the more you do it, the more you'll do it. Think about it. Think about just a small thing. Think about something in your life that you've never done, and you do it one time. You know it's easier to do it the second time? Isn't that right? It doesn't matter what it is. You do it one time. Good behavior, bad behavior. Good behavior, you do it one time, and it's easier to do it the second time. You read your Bible one time. It's easier to do it the second time. You pray one time. It's easier to do it the second time. You give. Whatever, whatever it is, uh, you open your mouth. Last night, I was down at Crane's Roost, and I was handing out flyers, and I was blessing people, and I was telling them God loves them and Jesus loves them. And the first person for me to say that to, I found it kind of hard to say it. But the moment that I opened my mouth and let those words came out, it would just float out of me like a river. It was easy. But to do it the first time, it was like I had the fear and all those things. And, and I found every time I looked at somebody and said, Jesus loves you, 
smile came up on their face. It was exactly the opposite of what you would think. Because the fact is, is that people do want to know that God loves them. People do need an encouraging word. People hear so much anger, so much negativity, so much yelling and screaming in our culture. They see it in politics. They see it in business. They see it in every arena of life. So we got this myth that if we express it, we're just going to relieve it. And as a matter of fact, the more you express it, the worse it gets. Some people just want to kind of walk away from it. They just want to take a time out. No, I think it's appropriate to step back and analyze and look at and review and reflect. But I don't think it's right for you to walk away from an issue. Because the fact is, if you don't deal with that issue today, you'll deal with it tomorrow. Paul says, let not your anger go down upon your wrath. Oh, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, deal with the issue in the time that you have to deal with it. Don't just suppress it. Just don't think because I don't deal with it, it's all just going to go away. That's kind of put it like, it's like, it's like the ostrich. You put your head in the sand and you just hope it's all going to work out. And it doesn't happen. It never happens like that. Because that issue that God wants you to deal with will come up in your life again. You're going to have to deal with it. So don't do that. Yeah, you can step back, but don't step so far back that you don't deal with the issue. Another myth is that anger will get you what you want. Now, anger in the short term can get people to do things. Isn't that right? If you're a boss or your boss gets really angry at people and he's explosive, he can get people to jump and run around real quick and do things. Isn't that right? I mean, he can do that. And as a parent, you know, as a parent, you can get angry at your child and you can make them do something in the moment. But when you turn your back... You've alienated yourself. You've made them angry. Isn't it amazing? And you go home, and you're frustrated, so you kind of say something harsh, not quite right, maybe even in an angry way to your spouse, and so then they respond back to you, and then next thing you know, your spouse then gets angry at Junior, and then Junior can't say anything back to Mom, so Junior then goes and takes it out on Johnny. You got this whole chain reaction take place in a home because one person was angry, and it's happened to all of us. We've all experienced it. We've all done it. And you can get people to do something for a short period of time, but anger in an explosive way, anger in a way that's not dealt with in a biblical way, always alienates people from you. It drives people away from you. Some people want to psychoanalyze their anger. They want to like take it all the way back to when they were in their womb. You know, when I was in my womb, my mommy wasn't really very nice to me, so therefore this is why I do this today. And so much of the addiction and the recovery kind of process in America really does this. And I see this. And what I've discovered is that I can know why I do something. I mean, I can tell you, I can analyze, I can go back and tell you, I do this kind of behavior because this, this, and this. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to change. Just because I know why I do something, it doesn't mean that my behavior is going to change. You see, i got to make a choice at some point that these things that happened in my past are my past. I mean, you just have to make that choice. Okay, yeah, your dad did that, your mom did that, or whatever happened in your life, whatever experience that brought you to the point where you felt like you had to act out like that, but that's not the problem. The problem was that you made a wrong choice. And until you come to that place, guess what? All the analyzing and the looking, I mean, so many people know why they do what they do, but they keep doing it. Isn't that right? Everyone said amen. Outside events, other people. My job makes me angry. My boss makes me angry. My husband makes me angry. My mother makes me I mean, outside events, stupid people driving down the road make me angry. 
People from the north make me angry. I mean, you know, all these things, all these external outside things, that's just not true. No one can make you angry. You choose to be angry. You choose. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make. Now, we all experience it. We all experience anger. It is part of the human existence. God got angry. Jesus got angry. The Bible is full of examples of people who did get angry. But they expressed their anger in a way that was right. As a matter of fact, the Bible says concerning God that he was slow to anger. The reason that you are not a crispy critter, the reason that you are still sucking oxygen on the planet today is because God is slow to anger and full of mercy. Someone said amen. I mean, I shouldn't be here, but God was slow to anger in my life. You know, we're driving down the road. Thousand people stuck on I-4 and a thousand different responses. About six months ago, I was in Portland, and uh, I was driving back uh, down I-5, and I was coming uh, across, I was coming up to an area across a bridge, and the bridge, what do they call it, the bridge lift had, had, you know, they got where the boats go through, but the bridge lift was stuck, and it was stuck up. It was just up. I mean, it was like, and cars were backed up for miles. And, you know, and some people are just, you know, you're fuming and, and this one guy, I'm serious, this one guy that was behind me got out and he pulled out like his little lawn chair and he just sat on the side of the road. And like he's just going to have a party. And he's going to have a party right there on the freeway. I mean, I thought, well, there's a guy that was, he was proper, he was a good boy scout. He was properly planned for anything. But we all respond differently to circumstances and different things set us off and different things tick us off. So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with your temper and your anger? The first thing I got you to see this morning is that you got to resolve. You got to resolve in your spirit and your heart that you are going to manage it. You got to resolve in your heart. Hey guys, can you put that up on the screen for me, please? You got to resolve in your heart and your spirit that you are going to manage your anger. Listen to this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. You see, you can control, you can manage your anger, but it's a choice. It's a choice. They tell us, whoever they are, they tell us that the average woman loses her temper three times a week while the average man loses his temper six times a week. So the women are like, yeah, I told you. (laughs) Women get more angry at people while men get more angry at things, machines, and stuff like that. Single adults express their anger twice as often as married adults. That's why it's good to be married. And all the married couples said, amen. That's just what they say. Who knows if it's true or not. Men are more physical in their anger than women. And you're more likely to express your anger at home than anywhere else. Duh. I mean, isn't that right? I mean, you're going, if you're going to get angry, you're probably not going to blow your stack at your boss unless you're ready to collect your last paycheck. Right? True? I mean, you're probably not just going to let it rip in a place that you know that it could cause significant damage and hurt in your life. You see, you got to make a choice. The reality is today is that you're going to make a choice in how you deal with your anger. You're either going to repress it, you're going to regress it, or you're going to regret it. You're going to repress, regret, or, re- or repress 
anger in your life. And when you do, when you do those things, guess what? You shove it back inside. You blow it up. You lose your cool. You lose the ability to be in control of your own life. And let me tell you, when you lose the ability to be in control of your life, it has negative consequences. So you got to make a choice. you got to choose in advance how you are going to deal with circumstances. you got to make a choice before you get there. And you have routine in life. Everyone has routine. Everyone has routine. You get up. You drive you probably drive to work the exact same way you've always driven to work. You go to the job. You probably work with the same people. You come home the same way that you went. You probably go to the same grocery stores, the same restaurants. I mean, if you were really to go down your checkbook and to look at all the places that you go, you would find that there are patterns in your life. So you know that there are certain things and certain situations that you are going to confront. So you got to make a choice ahead of time. You got to make a choice ahead of time how you're going to deal with things. You got to have an action plan. You got to have an action plan. My wife and I, we have an action plan in relationship to our boys. Raising our boys, lots of opportunity to be a parent and to yell. Amen. Oh, come on. Amen. Every parent here has yelled. As a matter of fact, the second most read New York Times article last week was an article on the new child abuse. The new child abuse isn't physical today. The new child abuse is verbal abuse. And there's a whole great big article in the New York Times about all these moms that are confessing how terrible they feel because they just yell at their children all the time. And it's a fact. I mean, we've, we've all done it. We've all been so irritated and frustrated that we just yell rather than directing. And you know what happens when you yell all the time at somebody? They stop listening. I'm not listening. And you can yell and yell and yell and yell. And the more you yell, the less effective it becomes. It's like the worst possible tool in your tool chest to use over a long period of time. Now, there might be a time that you need to yell. Four-year-old little Johnny escapes out of the house, runs out the front door, heads straight out into the street towards a car. It's probably time to yell. Right. I mean, you know, ah! But if you've been yelling over and over and over and over and over and over in the house, and I've seen this very thing happen, you're yelling and yelling, you're always yelling, and little Johnny runs out the door into a dangerous situation and yelling at them, they just look back at you, and they've already escaped. You can't control them. They look back, and they look around, and they just keep going on what they're doing. Why? Because your yelling has no more effect. And if that's a way that you control or try to deal with your anger, it's extremely ineffective. You see, don't fall into the myth that you're never going to get angry again. The moment that you leave here today, I promise, I can prophesy with my eyes open. I'm a prophet this morning. I have a prophetic word. I have a prophetic. Let's line them up and lay hands on them and prophesy over them. I prophesy over you today that in the name of the Lord, you will leave this place and tomorrow you will have an opportunity to get angry, says the Lord. Amen. Oh, come on. You're going to get angry. Every person here is going to get angry again. So it's not that you're going to get angry. It's what you're going to do with it. you got to remember this morning that anger released in your life in an inappropriate way has a great cost. There's a great cost in your life of not getting this area of your life down. Exactly what Paul said, Romans 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and sin not. Because anger can become very dangerous if it's not dealt with in your life. Dangerous anger, I call it. 
And all through the Bible, there's examples of dangerous anger. All through the Bible. Think about it. The very first murder, the very first murder that took place was between two brothers. Cain's anger became dangerous and caused him to kill his brother. He did not control his anger. And as a matter of fact, God warned him. Listen to me. If you've got anger issues today and you're, you haven't dealt with it in a proper way, God is warning you. Your anger, undealt with, unchecked, unsurrendered, not yielded to the spirit of God in your life, is going to cost you. It cost Cain. He was put out from the presence of God. It cost Moses. Moses was the godliest man that ever lived. And the Bible says that Moses was not able to enter into the promised land because he hit the rock twice out of his anger. He was supposed to hit it once. God said, hit it once. And Moses was so mad at the people. Every leader experienced If you lead anything, if you lead a Cub Scout group, if you lead, try to lead three dogs, I mean, whatever you, I mean, I don't care. You're a leader of something today. And anything you've ever had to leave has, has moments where you can become very angry. When Kenan was about nine years old, he played on a little league football team, flag football. And I remember there was one coach there was one. Co- there was more than one. Many coaches got angry, but I remember this one coach in particular. I mean, it was like this was like the NFL. It was like these kids had millions of dollars on the line. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, angry and veins popping out and just screaming and yelling. And you think, wow, chill, dude, man, take a chill pill, you know? And but not knowing how to deal with his anger. And let me tell you, man, everybody stayed away from that guy. No one wanted to, I mean, and all the kids are shaking. And There's a cost to that, though. It alienates people from you. You know what? People really just think you're a jerk when you act like that. That's what really happens. People just think you're, he's a jerk. He can't control his anger. Anger can become very, very dangerous in your life. Very dangerous. Proverbs 29, verse 22 says, A hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. All kinds of trouble. And we can just preach on this one right here. But a danger, an, anger man, an angry man gets into all kinds of trouble. Let's take a little survey here. Let's see if you can find this to be true in your life. The first one. A hot-tempered man gets into all kinds of trouble. Is that true? Okay. How about this one? A hot-tempered man causes arguments. True? How about this one? An angry person causes great mistakes. Is that true? You know what happens when you just like lose control of your anger? You know what happens? It's like your IQ drops 50 points. You think about it. I mean, you just get really angry, and then all of a sudden, like, you stop thinking rationally. You just, you're angry, and all you can see is red. Your intelligence level just drops immediately. So we don't deal with anger correctly. There's a great cost in our life. We can lose our reputation. We can lose the respect of others. We can lose our health. We can lose our job. We can lose our friendships. You see, it's not what it's eating you that's destroying you many times. It's what's taking place inside of your heart. And this anger undealt with in your life will destroy you. I mean, they created Tums and Rolaids for a reason. You know, and Tums and Rolaids are purely because people have indigestion. And they have indigestion because they have undealt with issues that are going on. Uh, they're angry. They're frustrated. They're mad. Life's not working. They're angry at the government. I mean, people are angry at the government. They're angry at politicians. They're angry at the weather. They're angry at their boss. They're angry at their spouses. They're angry at their children. Life's not fair. It's hard. All these kinds of things. 
And what happens? You take that and you shove that inside, and it begins to destroy your life. The third thing that's got to happen is you got to reflect before you act. You got to reflect before you act. In other words, you got to think before you speak. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Anger control is largely a matter of mouth control. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger, and a wise man waits and lets it grow cold. Three things in your life that will cause you to get angry. The first one is hurt. Pain, right? Pain, you get, you smash your thumb with the hammer, and what happens? You yell. Ow! You stub your toe against that corner chest that you asked your wife to move or you asked your kid to move. Ow! Right? You know, I mean, you get pain and you have an instant reaction. And what I've noticed that when I have pain come suddenly into my life that I can't control my response, that if my heart is goofed up inside, I say things that I shouldn't say. Like words come out that I don't normally say. Now, I haven't had this happen in a long, long, long time. I've been a Christian 25 years, so this hasn't happened for me in a long time, but I've had it happen. Where I'll have pain and bam, something, oh, you don't mean to say that. Well, that was inside. You see, the things that come out of your mouth are things that were down inside of your heart. So you get hurt, and all of a sudden you find words coming out of your mouth that are not appropriate for Christians. You know what that was? That was down inside. There's stuff undealt with in your life. That's all that it means. So we have hurt. We get hurt. We have anger. We express our anger by yelling or owling or whatever we say, or we can express it in a ways that are inappropriate. Someone once said, the emptier the pot, the quicker it boils. Think about it. The emptier the pot of water, the quicker it boils. So your pot, your spirit, man, is not filled. You're not walking in step with the Holy Spirit in your life. And guess what? It's kind of empty. You're low on fruits of the Spirit today. You haven't got into the presence of God. You didn't do your devotions. didn't read. And all of a sudden, something happens, and bam, you boil quickly. Second thing that causes anger in our life is frustration. And lots of things make us frustrated. Our children make us frustrated. They didn't make their bed before they went to church, make us fr- before they went to school frustrated. They didn't do the dishes frustrated. Your spouses make you frustrated. I mean, your boss makes you frustrated. Lots of things in your life can make you frustrated. Lots of things. But what do you do with it? What do you do with that frustration? How do you deal with it? I notice that people who have lots of responsibilities and need to control situations tend to become easily frustrated. It's a fact. People that have lots of responsibilities and have authority over situations tend to become easily frustrated. It's my challenge in life. What really boils down to in your life is expectations. We have expectations that people, whether our children, our spouses, our co-workers, we have expectations that people are going to do certain things. Now, uh, this summer, my wife and I and our family, actually Keenan, we went on vacation. And uh, we were going to the airport, and I'm carrying my golf 
clubs. For some reason, I decided I'm going to take my golf clubs. I'm going to fly all the way across the country with them. And so I'm carrying my golf clubs and my, my laptop bag and my suitcase. And uh, Kenan and Laura jumped out of the car. There was a little bus over at the airport that picks you up to take you up to the, uh, up to, you know, to the uh, uh, terminal. And, and so they get on the bus, and I'm dragging behind it, and I'm trying to catch up. And I get up to the bus, and the bus driver... He, you know, the bus is full, and the bus driver looks at me. He turns around, walks away, gets in the seat, and he drives off. And so I'm standing there, and I got, you know, the golf clubs on this shoulder, and, a, and my laptop bag, and my suitcase. And my expectation was that he was going to leave the door open so I could get on. And the dumb bus driver didn't do it. And I was angry, really angry. I had all kinds of thoughts at 6 o'clock in the morning going through my mind that I shouldn't have been having going through my mind. And I remember, I just remember feeling this, you know that pressure, it's like, oh, you can't believe it. I can't, you know, and I get on the next bus, and I'm mad at the next bus driver. And that guy didn't do anything, but I was mad at him. My wife calls on the phone, and where are you at? Get up here, and I'm mad at her. I'm just mad at the world. Well, that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. Isn't that right? Come on. Are we talking about where the rubber hits the road this morning or what? Amen. We're all there. We all have to deal with this. So we get asked, why am I angry? What do I really want? And how can I get it? The psalmist David says it like this. Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. Addiction specialists tell us today that 10% of Americans... 10% of Americans are addicted to prescription drugs. 10%. That's a huge number. Over 300 million people. That means over 30 million people are addicted to prescription drugs in America. That's a huge number. It's an epidemic. They give prescriptions for psychiatric drugs, for antidepressants, for, for pain pills, all these things. They give them out like they're giving candy to a baby today. And, and I, you know what I've found and, and, and what I found is that the church won basically as a reflection of the culture. There's very little difference about what happens inside of the church walls and what happens outside. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I have almost 1,000 friends on Facebook, and I see all these people that go to church, and I see what people do. And what I discovered is that people in the church do pretty much the same things that people in the world do. They go to the same places and do the same kind of things. There's not a lot of difference. And, and so I said, well, that's probably true then. It's probably a very large percentage of people in the church that are trying to control their behavior by taking drugs. And, and the fact is that when that happens, when that happens, it's like drinking. You know, when you drink, your inhibitions just go away. Isn't that right? When you drink, if you've drank, and maybe some of you have never drank before, but if you've ever drank before, if you've ever had alcoholic adult beverages, you know that you lose your inhibition. You say things, you do things you probably wouldn't have done because you lower that ability to control your emotions. The Bible says that we're to be filled with the Spirit. And you will be filled with some kind of Spirit. You'll be either filled with God's Spirit or you'll be filled with another Spirit. But you will be filled with some kind of Spirit in your life. It's a fact. And so what do you do? How do you deal with this? Well, one, you got to lay it all out before the Lord. you got to lay your life out before the Lord. You say, God, I need you to fill me today. I don't want to be filled with anything other than God. I just want God. I want him in my life. I need him in my life. They that hunger and thirst for God, for his right ways, will be filled. So it's about choice. 
It's about choice. It's about choice of behavior. And I just don't believe this any longer, that you don't have any ability to control. I don't believe that. I believe that when you invite Christ into your life, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I believe that when the Spirit of God lives and dwells inside of a believer, they are no longer just a natural person, but now they are a supernatural person. They're no longer led by the flesh, but they're now being led by the Spirit of God. And it's all about surrender. Someone said amen this morning. You've got to release your anger appropriately. Learning to release our anger appropriately. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 15. The Bible says, a gentle answer turns away anger. A gentle answer. Think about it. You're in an argument with a co-worker, and they say something harsh, you say something harsh. Then it escalates to the next level. They say something back to you, you say something back to them. Then the next thing you know, people, I mean, they're just going at it. I was standing out in front of a restaurant many years ago. I remember this like yesterday. And these two guys come out of this place, and they're like yelling at one another. They're just they're really going at it. And all of a sudden, this one guy walks over to his car, literally runs over to his car, and the other guy starts walking to his car. The guy that runs over to his car, he fires it up. He throws it in reverse. Then he punches it into drive, and he puts his foot pedal to the metal, and he slams his car right into the other guy's car. I mean, I saw, I was like, whoa. I mean, people are flying and ducking and running for cover. I mean, the guy completely lost it in a public place. Uh, well, what happened? Can you imagine if when the one guy said something stupid to the other, other guy, the other guy just said nothing or just said bless you or just said something kind to the person? Instead of saying, yeah, your mama looks funny too, the next thing you know it escalates and wham, they're in full-fledged war. And then we're in a full-fledged war over words, and we kill hundreds of millions of people, and we spend more money in the world to build bombs to kill people because the power of words have the power to bring death and destruction rather than spending that money on restoring life and helping poor people and giving to the sick. Come on, someone said amen. Why is that? Because men haven't learned to control their anger. You said, my mama looks funny, and my eyes are crossed, and I don't know how to dress. Well, let me tell you about you. And then, boom, we got nations lobbing bombs and killing one another. All over words, all over anger that's been suppressed, not expressed appropriately. Guys, this is real. and God wants us to deal with this. God wants, because you're going to leave this place and have to deal with your anger. So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with your anger appropriately? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, he said, if your brother sins against you and causes you basically to get angry, you're to go to him. You're to go to that individual and have honest communication. And that's exactly why so much anger escalates in relationships. There's not honest, heartfelt, uh, truthful communication. Truth. Plus tactfulness, plus timing equals transformation in your life. When you have an angry moment, you have a situation that you know you have to deal with in the job and your family, you got to tell the truth. You do have to tell people, hey, you know, that what you do really ticks me off. It really offends me. What you do isn't right. It's not, it doesn't seem right to me. And maybe, maybe they don't even know it. 
Maybe it's just you have a complete wrong perception about what they're doing. Maybe what they're doing is completely unintentional. They have no mean to harm you. Maybe that's the case, and all of a sudden they help you see another point of view. But if you never confront with the truth, you'll never know. But you got to do it with tactfulness. Like, you can't always be up in people's face and think anybody's going to like you, right? I mean, it's just not that way. As a matter of fact, you've got to be more like the duck who allows water to roll off their back just full of grace because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And when you really love people, you're not easily angered. They don't easily tick you off. You just kind of flow. And there's that part of relationships where you've got to flow. But if there's something that's ongoing and you need to deal with, you need to confront it. You've got to change the way that you think. You've got to repattern your mind. You've got to change the way that you think. I love Romans chapter 12 because Paul expresses it so well when he says, my brother, be not conformed to this world. Don't be patterned or shape your life after the way that the world shapes your life. Don't try to deal with anger the way that the pop psychologist tells you to deal with it and think that it's going to get fixed. Don't do it that way. My brother, be not conformed to this world, but be changed transformed, be renewed, be renewed in your thinking by the power of Christ. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, renewed in the way that you think. Be renewed. And how do you renew the way that you think? You got to change the programming of your life. You got to change the programming. And how do you change the programming? You got to put new information in. You got to put load, reload new software into your life. And that's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, discerned between thoughts and the intent of the heart, separating even between joint and marrow. You see, that's the Word. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will live forever. You see, we're people of this book. It isn't just fables and ancient stories told about people that lived a long time ago. The Bible says it's alive. It's living. It's breathing. It's active. It's changed millions of people's lives who've actually taken the time to read it. Because it shows us the nature and the course of the human life. It shows us what will happen if we don't get this area of anger under our control. We will allow the sun to go down upon our wrath. And we will experience dangerous anger. And it will cause us to have lots of pain. Many of you have experienced it in your own home. Many of you have experienced divorce. Many of you have experienced separation. Many of you have experienced problems with parents or coworkers or lost jobs because you didn't deal with your anger correctly. And I'm, I want you to know today, this is really, you know, this isn't one of those run around the building. We've got to get our hank out and shout and lay hands on everybody. And Now, this is one of those, you're going to walk out of here. You're going to have to make some choices. So you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to personally choose to allow the Spirit of God to take control of your life. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and gentleness and goodness and meekness. It's the byproduct of the believer's life. 
And the byproduct of the believer's life produces abundance. It produces blessing. It produces a blessed family. It produces a blessed home. It produces a blessed job. It produces a blessed marriage. It produces blessed relationships with your coworkers. You see, the byproduct of living this life, not just having a religious experience, but having a personal relationship with God and allowing His Spirit to live in your life means change. It means change. There's not a person on this planet who's ever truly encountered God that hasn't been confronted with the issue of change. And God wants to change you today. Thanks for listening to this message, Tame Your Temper, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407 321 9600.